military races heating up around the globe from submarine cylindrals and even into the stars, featuring major players like China, Japan, Taiwan, and the U.S. You have to preposition capability. What's the latest, and where does the U.S. stand in its race against Beijing? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Before we dive into today's news, make sure to use the link down below to subscribe to our newsletter. Each week, we round up the highlights and controversies happening around China and the world and share an exclusive behind-the-scenes snapshot with our readers. Keep an eye out. The newsletter will land in your inbox Friday morning. America is about to welcome a new top general, the Senate confirming Charles Brown as the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff on Wednesday. He's set to replace Mark Milley as the highest-ranking military officer in the U.S. Brown used to be an air component commander for U.S. Indo-Pacific Command. Throughout, I will collaborate with the department's civilian leadership, their agency, and with our allies and partners. Brown didn't specifically outline a stance on China during his confirmation hearing in July, though he did answer lawmakers' questions about cyber threats from China, and he touched on the challenges of fighting a war in the Indo-Pacific versus Europe. You cannot wait till the crisis occurs to be able to deploy capability. You have to preposition capability and have that in place. You have to work with allies and partners to have access to locations so you can you can put the capability in, into place. He did raise red flags on an issue troubling the U.S. military. In a letter to American airmen this week, Brown warned that Beijing is looking to exploit their knowledge to fill gaps in its own development. That's by targeting and recruiting U.S. and NATO military talent to train Chinese troops. This problem has spread beyond U.S. military. Other members of the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Alliance, including Australia, the U.K. and New Zealand, have taken steps to prevent former pilots from handing over know-how to Beijing. Last year, the U.K. said up to 30 former British pilots were providing training in China. A month later, Australia said it's conducting a review because of reports of Australian pilots doing training in China. A former U.S. fighter pilot has also been indicted over allegations he trained Chinese pilots on how to land on aircraft carriers. He denied the allegations. More on the military front, the U.S. Navy started reviving a spy program last year designed to counter submarine threats. According to people with direct knowledge of the plan, it's worth billions of dollars, sits on an island just 50 miles north of Seattle, and has the biggest monitoring range of any similar program since the end of the Cold War. What's driving the revival? In recent years, the Chinese military has been aggressive in trying to intimidate Taiwan. Beijing claims the island as its own and has not ruled out the use of force to take control of it. But how does the island play into U.S. national security? Taiwan sits on the first island chain, blocking China from accessing deep waters off its coast. Those waters would prove essential if Beijing wanted to launch and conceal armed submarines and attack the U.S. Back to the Navy's plan, the submarine spy program itself is top secret, designed to monitor the submarines of the former Soviet Union. Its first and only public appearance happened in 1991, at the end of the Cold War. The surveillance network can collect data through unmanned sea drones and underwater satellite sensors. North Korea launched its first tactical nuclear attack submarine earlier this month. It will patrol the waters between the Korean Peninsula and Japan. What is the new vessel and what does its launch mean? Let's dive in. In a speech at the sub's launch ceremony, 
North Korean leader Kim Jong-un said it would become one of the main, quote, underwater offensive means of the naval force. Analysts say the new vessel appears to be a modified Soviet-era Romeo-class submarine, which North Korea acquired from China in the 1970s and began producing domestically. Shin Sun-ki is a research fellow at the Korea Institute for Defense Analyses and says it is expected to carry tactical ballistic and cruise missiles, but may face limitations. Because it has excessively modified the existing Romeo-class submarine, there may be some limitations in immediately operating it compared to the existing ones. It is likely that they will continue to develop it to a level where it can be operated at some point in the future. Such weapons won't add much value to land-based nuclear forces, added former U.S. government weapons expert Van Van Diepen, who works with Washington-based 38 North. That's because the ageing submarine at the core of the design is relatively slow and noisy, with a limited range. Combined, these factors mean it may not survive long in a war and would be vulnerable to anti-submarine warfare, he said. Taiwan's first-ever homemade submarine is on its way. Tests on the undersea vehicle start this month, after the island sunk $1.5 billion into the project. The Chinese Communist Party has repeatedly voiced plans to invade Taiwan by 2027. So before that clock runs out, the U.S. is preparing to help the democratic island. Here's what Eli Ratner, Assistant Secretary of Defense for the Indo-Pacific, said in a hearing earlier this week. Conflict in the Taiwan Strait would be devastating. Taiwan is a thriving democracy that plays a vital role in the world economy, with high technology exports like semiconductors. A similar message from the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Regional Security. She explained why U.S. support for Ukraine is also important for Taiwan. That uh, our support for Ukraine um, bolsters uh, Ukraine's deterrence, but also bolsters Taiwan's deterrence. Um, that um, that where, um, where we can, we should be making sure that the PRC gets the right message from us, which is that we support our partners, we support our allies, um, and that we are a reliable partner. And in Taiwan, drills are being held to practice defending a military base from a Chinese attack. The Thursday exercise simulates what would happen if intruders attacked the base on the island's west coast. Just days ago, Beijing sent more than 100 warplanes to cross the Taiwan Strait within just 24 hours, setting a new record. The median line serves as an unofficial divider between China and Taiwan. But China's foreign ministry spokesperson said this week that there's no such thing because according to Beijing, Taiwan is part of Chinese territory. The Chinese Communist Party has never ruled the island, but has long claimed it as its own. Beijing has never ruled out annexing the island by force. To counter China's threats from space, the U.S. has been collaborating with its close ally Japan to strengthen defenses on Earth and beyond. Here's the story. A U.S. command post is getting set up in Japan, right on China's doorstep. The U.S. Space Force confirmed the plan after the two nations' space and air forces held their first talks in July. The command post will be the third U.S. Space Force base in the Indo-Pacific region, following two more openings in Hawaii and South Korea last year. According to military news outlet Stars and Stripes, Washington has already stationed military officers in Japan. The news comes alongside concerns about Chinese aggression in the region. China's space force is growing fast, armed with the globe's third largest space force following the U.S. and Russia. 
Weikert is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. They are still able to do things that we were not anticipating that they would be able to do, such as getting this uh, new space station of theirs in orbit as quickly as they did, and getting many of our key allies to sign on in support of the new China space station. And that's just the beginning. As for why it's significant for the U.S. to expand space efforts with its allies. If you start marrying Russian and Chinese space power together to compete with the Americans directly in space, that's a whole new ballgame. Experts say the U.S. command post in the Indo-Pacific would be able to counter the threats from China, Russia and North Korea. Former President Donald Trump is in Iowa, the first in the nation caucus state. He spoke to voters about his administration's achievements, including his dealing with the Chinese Communist Party and Russia. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. Remember I told you I made great deals. I, I don't even talk about China because of COVID, but I made one of the greatest deals ever with USMCA, but the, maybe the best was China. $50 billion, and do you remember it? And you had to stay with me, the farmers I'm talking about, mostly in this case, less less the manufacturers, they were there anyway, but they were the most loyal people. The farmers were the most loyal people. And they said, sir, we're with you. I said, I'm going to get you all sorts of subsidies from China. They said, sir, we don't want subsidies. We just want a level playing field. Issuing a warning of potential perils under Biden. November of next year, we're like, wow, just a little bit more than a year. But a lot of bad things can happen in a year. Tremendously bad things can happen in a year. And a lot of stupid decisions could be made. The former president naming his achievements in international diplomacy, including negotiations with Mexico over the wall, France over tariffs, and Putin over invading Ukraine. And I used to talk to Putin about it. I'd say, uh, you can't do it. You know, it was the apple of his eye, I will tell you. That I knew. But what uh, I made it the unapple of his eye because I said uh, bad things are going to happen if you do that. And he didn't do it. He only started doing this after I was gone. All of a sudden, you see troops building up. Would have never done it. Iowa's in-person caucuses, which kick off the GOP's first statewide vote to select their next presidential nominee, will be held on January 15th of next year. Current polls show the former president with a commanding lead. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. More on the war between Russia and Ukraine. The European Council president on Wednesday called on China to help end the conflict. British Foreign Secretary James Cleverly urged his Chinese counterpart to do the same. And I hope that he will impress upon uh, Russia the complete inappropriateness uh, of their action. And I hope that China will call for Russia to withdraw. Cleverly made the statement Tuesday after Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi had arrived for a visit to Russia. China and Russia announced a no-limits partnership shortly before Russia invaded Ukraine in February of 2022. Beijing says the sovereignty and territorial integrity of all countries must be respected. Though China abstained from all United Nations votes that demanded Moscow withdraw its troops from Ukraine. Germany is looking to reduce Chinese parts in its 5G technology. The country's ministry wants to remove Chinese vendors from providing critical components for Germany's core 5G networks and minimize disruptions along the way. What's more, they plan to reduce Chinese tech in other parts of the network by October 2026 for a maximum of 25 percent. 
At the same time, concerns about slowing digital growth are rising in the European Union. Currently, Huawei accounts for nearly 60% of Germany's 5G networks. The telecom system is a core part of how mobile devices connect to the network. The ministry wants to restrict the Chinese gear in sensitive regions, like the nation's capital, Berlin. The measures aim to limit the use of vendors considered high risk, including Huawei and ZTE, targeting concerns about potential sabotage or spying. The urgency comes as Germany's interior ministry hopes to avoid another Nord Stream pipeline situation. The lines were designed to bring Russian gas to Germany but are no longer in use. More bad news for China's real estate sector. Chinese developer Sunak has filed for bankruptcy protection in a U.S. court. Court documents revealed the move Tuesday. The move will shield Sunak from its creditors, hoping to sue the company or tie up its assets in the United States. The company is in the midst of restructuring, a seemingly optimistic decision when creditors approved a $9 billion offshore debt restructuring plan on Monday. It marked the first green light for one of China's major indebted developers and sent the company's shares surging as much as 14 percent early on Tuesday. But the stock closed 4.3 percent down after reporters spotted the bankruptcy protection filing. Another of China's real estate giants, Evergrande, also sought bankruptcy protection, aiming to restructure its over $31 billion in debt. Sunak and Evergrande are two of several Chinese property developers that have defaulted on their offshore debt obligations in recent years, ever since the sector took a major pandemic-era hit in 2021. Another big story to look out for, more decoupling from China on Wall Street. A prominent American venture capital firm is planning to separate its business from the country. At the same time, it's using money raised from American pension funds to invest in Chinese AI and microchip companies. What role are U.S. politicians playing in the shift? Stay tuned for more coming up tomorrow on China in Focus. Coming up, a ban on Chinese app TikTok, blocking the app from governmental devices. More than half of all U.S. states are jumping on the bandwagon, all because of national security concerns. Though officials can use the app on their private devices. How safe or unsafe is the software really? We speak with Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, for his take. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. U.S. officials are still using Chinese app TikTok, even though it's banned in more than half of U.S. states. That's because the ban only applies to governmental tech, not private smartphones or computers. Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, told us more about the gap. Rex Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me on the show, Tiffany. Rex, you and I have spoken before about user surveillance and data mining, which is even apparent in Facebook and X or Twitter. But what's the concern when it's a company or a platform made by a different country, perhaps an adversary? Well, the the main concerning thing about any 
app or social media platform today, whether it's developed in the United States or China or Canada or anywhere else in the world, is the fact that apps and social media platforms are developed by companies that are in the information trafficking business like Google, Apple, Microsoft, uh, ByteDance from China, Tencent from China and other app developers. Their main business is to collect as much information on their end users as possible. And Rex, it seems recently in the headlines, there's more focus on, say, TikTok, Lemon8, Xi'an, Timu, WeChat, all of these various Chinese apps. What's the added concern here? I describe apps and social media platforms as legal malware, enabling the developer to conduct audio, video, and physical surveillance on the end user while data mining over 5,000 highly confidential data points associated with the end user's personal, business, medical, legal, employment, and location information. These companies also collude with governments and share the information with governments as, as we've seen in the past. So I'll give you an example. Recently, uh, Representative Brad Winstrup uh, he's the chairman of the select subcommittee for the coronavirus, cited uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra for the use of WeChat uh, in NIH, uh, the uh, health uh, department. And now this is all tied to coronavirus research, but the employees... So what this meant was that these uh, HHS um, government employees and government officials that were using uh, uh, WeChat for their messenger were actually exposing confidential and protected information to an unauthorized third party, that being a Chinese company, Tencent. And it seems to your point, India has already banned apps and social media platforms from China in a way to kind of stem that threat. But in the U.S., it seems, at least for TikTok, they're banned on government devices. But what have you found in what's actually being done there? And I'll give you an example, another example that was quite shock shocking to me. <clears throat> uh, I was watching the Netflix documentary on the James Webb Space Telescope launch, and this is NASA. Uh, and uh, during the documentary, there were various NASA officials who were utilizing TikTok as a way to uh, journal the launch of the uh, uh, telescope. This was very shocking to me because these are NASA engineers and scientists who are utilizing TikTok in a confidential and protected environment. Um, and they were documenting the, the launch of the, the uh, telescope. That may seem a little bit harmless until you understand how these apps work. So even if the NASA employee said, well, this is my personal device and this is my personal uh, TikTok account, uh, they're still bringing a compromised device into a confidential and protected environment where they were showing this documentary. They were showing these uh, astronauts, I meant these uh, scientists and these employees and these engineers within their work um, place. Everybody who's ever used social media 
such as Facebook or Instagram will tell you that I was in a group of friends having a conversation about a particular subject matter. And then they look at their social media feeds and they start to see advertisings about those subject matters pop up. And then they wonder, well, how did they how do they know that I'm talking about this? Well, it's because they gained access to the hardware of the device. So if they're having a conversation with another government employee about a classified uh, topic, then that recording is being recorded by their personal device. And on top of that, there's various reports out noting how dozens of politicians are active on TikTok. What's the added concern there? Well, CBS, uh, after the TikTok uh, uh, congressional hearings with CEO Sho Chu uh, aired, CBS did a follow-up report to see how many congressional officials were using TikTok. And uh, they found that re- they found it kind of interesting that uh, during the uh, uh, congressional hearing, you found biased for the first time. You found uh, Democrat and uh, Republican representatives that were concerned about the national security threat that TikTok posed. Yet some of those same congressional representatives had. TikTok accounts, maybe not on their government device, but again on their personal device. And they utilize the TikTok platform, obviously, to reach young voters. They're allowing an unauthorized third party to monitor, track, and data mine all of their activities associated with their job. And Rex, given these concerns around national security, consumer safety, what is the solution here? Is it a government unilateral ban or each person making their own choice? I think that it's time for Google, Apple, and Microsoft uh, to step up and um, and uh, uh, look at these issues uh, that they need to take in consideration when they're distributing these products, either through third-party app agreements where the uh, social media platforms are distributed through Google Play, the Apple App Store, and the Microsoft Windows App Store, but also through pre-installed app agreements where you see platforms such as uh, TikTok, I mean, where you see platforms such as TikTok that are pre-installed into uh, operating systems such as the Windows 11 operating system. So when you upgrade from Windows 10 to Windows 11, uh, the TikTok uh, social media platform app will be included. Or if you buy a new computer or any other device that supports Windows, uh, that TikTok app is going to be included. And uh, believe me, ByteDance paid Microsoft billions of dollars to have that app pre-installed onto uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions, of devices. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.